podcast is to discuss meaningful topics and issues from the lens of two Khmerican sisters and other diverse community leaders. Today's topics are on education, arts, and Filipino heritage with Mark Watan. Welcome to the Two Khmerican Sisters podcast. We are Jasmine and Melissa, and I'm so excited to welcome a fellow educator, Mark. Thanks for joining us. And Mark, I gotta say, when school closed in March, I was looking through the district's videos with teaching and I saw your video and I was like, wow, it's a male of color teaching kindergarten. So I clicked on it and I watched a couple minutes and I was like, I hope that I can meet him someday because you just seem so positive and engaging and I'm glad that I get to meet you now through the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure we will. Thank you for having me, Jasmine and Melissa. Really feel amazing for being here. And thank you so much for having this platform for so many different folks to um, share their stories. So thank you for that. You bet. Thank you. Thank Mark. you. <laughs> Mark Watan is currently an educator in Seattle. Previously, he also taught in Los Angeles, San Diego, and Kent, Washington. And he's taught in primary grades for the past nine years. This year, he's teaching third grade. Mark was born in the Philippines, specifically Zambonga City, Mindanao region. His identities include Filipino and LGBTQIA+. He can also speak Chavacano and Tagalog from the Philippines. And today he will talk a little bit about everything from education to arts, heritage, social media, and even drag queens. Please welcome Mark. Thank you so much. <laughs> so excited to be here. Yes, and like you mentioned earlier, I've been an educator in very different places. Um, I actually started my career teaching in a private school in Los Angeles. And that experience really opened my eyes to see what education can be like. And then it also opened my eyes to see that um, the kids that I was working with or who I was working with were kids who, um, for the lack of a better word, didn't need me as much. Oh, so okay. I decided that I wanted to work in schools with higher needs. So I seeked out to work in charter schools and Title I schools. And that gave me the opportunity to work with kids with different backgrounds than the kids who I worked with initially at the beginning of my career. Um, having worked in charter schools and private schools and public schools, I can say that all aspects of education has benefits for children. And I think that there are so many opportunities for people to grow in any setting in education. And I feel really lucky to have experienced three different um, places mm -hmm. to um, to experience my craft and I am so happy that I get to work with kids today who I think share similar experiences to what I experienced when I first immigrated from the Philippines to the United mm -hmm. States. That is Yay. wonderful and we look forward to getting to know you better and it sounds like you have a wide breadth of experience in education and thank you for for doing what you do and children are our future leaders of tomorrow so it's important to invest in them and that means a lot for them to have a teacher who also experiences the same things that they're experiencing so i'm glad that you've stayed in education and i'm excited to learn more from you so i guess to start with um we would like to know what was it like growing up in the philippines and what do you want people to know about your home country so growing up in the philippines i 
have a very different experience than what some people may assume. My family was upper middle class. My grandparents, my paternal grandparents and my maternal grandparents worked for the city government and they were very supportive. My parents also worked for the city government and then my dad um, decided to work for a private cable company a TV cable company. He was really happy to be working in media there. And I think that that was a great outlet for him. And growing up in the Philippines, I was super privileged. I had no idea how privileged I was until I started talking to people about my experiences there. I grew up with a housekeeper we called Indai, and she was a lovely person. And I really feel like I got multiple adults who really supported my upbringing. Um, And my cousins were also very present. My older cousins were also very present. And I have an older brother um, who is seven years older than me. So similar. (laughs) I felt really connected with the culture when I was living there. Um, Growing up there, I did live um, in Zamboanga for, I think about, looking back at it, I think like seven or eight years. Um, It's hard to do math at this (laughs) late of day. It is later in the day. My brain is fried too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So thank you for understanding. Um, I lived there until I was about eight and I went to private schools there because in the Philippines, there is a culture of if you go to public school, at least at the time that I was living there and in the Mm -hmm. region where I lived, there was a culture of if you go to a public school, then there's a bigger likelihood that you'll, you won't achieve as much. So my parents put me in private schools and um, I moved around a lot because I think Growing up later, I found out that there are some um, disagreements that my parents had with the schools that I went to. So then um, I moved (laughs) to different schools. And um, after we lived in Zamboanga, my dad got a um, job offer um, to advance his career. So we moved to Malabon City in, um, in the Luzon region. So we moved from south to north. And it's closer to Manila. It's closer to the um, main parts of what people think the Philippines is like. Um, And when we lived there, my dad um, worked there and my mom had a job there and I moved there with them and my brother. And we also lived a very privileged life. We had a a housekeeper who supported our family. And um, yeah, and then we moved to the States when I was nine years old. Um, I did grow up. Uh, when I was growing up, when I was younger, before we moved to Malabon City in Zamboanga, we lived just next door to my paternal grandparents. And so it was really cool to have that experience to just be able to hear my grandfather blasting in the mood on um, <laughs> that um, song. The um, karaoke? Uh, that. Or- the the jazz song oh. yeah in the mood yeah my grandfather would play that every saturday morning and that's how i'd wake up i'd hear it from across the way and it was did you learn um english in private school yes so um it was compulsory english learning in the philippines when i when we did um schooling the only time I spoke not English when I was going through schooling at the time that I did there was during um, Filipino class. 
So, um, and then I kind of struggled because I grew up speaking Chavacano Uh and then um, I had to learn Tagalog also so that I could interact in that language. So I was like an English learner and a Tagalog learner. I was like a language learner (laughs) multiple times in my life. Oh, that's interesting. Did you ever get like the words confused? Yeah, I I still do. And I mean, Chavacano and Tagalog sound very differently, I think. And there's a lot of Spanish influence in the Chavacano dialect. And so, for example, if you say it's cold outside in Chavacano, you say frío fuera. But then in Tagalog, you would, you would say malabig um, oh, labas. And then um, in Spanish, it's actually really close to Chavacano. It's frío yeah, fuera. Yeah, yeah, so um, the the Spanish influence really prevailed in the Samuanga region. Actually, we went to a church a Catholic church in Samwanga called Fort Pilar. And it used to be like one of the forts that they used back mm. then. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. That's a history yeah. lesson for, for all of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do get them confused. The languages I do definitely get confused on sometimes. But I mean, I think after a few San Miguel's, I'm better at speaking the languages. <laughs> <laughs> San Miguel's are, uh, is a very popular um, beer in the Philippines. Oh. Okay. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, and it's interesting being an adult now because I did take Spanish. Like, was it Melissa who took Spanish? Yeah, I took Spanish. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. I took Spanish in college because I thought I wanted to be an educator in Southern California. Oh. But then um, my husband and I wanted to move to the Pacific Northwest. And so, I mean, I still use Spanish here. Yeah. Um, but I learned Spanish and I took French in high school. So that like really helped me use, because there were a lot of cognates um, that, um, so like words that kind of mean, mm-hmm. like sound the same in different languages, but and like mean the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, when I went through, when I was like new to teaching, I really, like really wanted to practice my different languages just to <laughs> communicate with families during conferences. And one time I had a conference in Spanish and then wow, good for you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I feel I felt okay about it because the student was like, it, I didn't need to give any bad news, and so okay. uh, giving, <laughs> uh, giving gets, delivering a conference in Spanish is a lot easier if I don't have to talk about anything legal or anything <laughs> like. Oh, that's true. Yeah, binding. yeah. Um, and then I had to give a Tagalog conference right after, and I kept tripping oh. up my Tagalog. So oh, that's much. hard to switch. Yes. <laughs> It's so hard to switch. I agree. That's incredible that you took the time and effort to relate to your student and their family to talk in their language. Yeah. Yeah. Not many like educators have that skill or, you know, the ability to do mm-hmm. that. So that's amazing that you're trying. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, how do you stay connected to your Filipino roots, even though you're living in America? So I remember reading your feature and seeing you were talking about all of the dialects in the Philippines. And it sounds like you had such a positive experience there with your family. So how do you stay connected, even though you're living in America? It's honestly not that easy to stay connected at a deep level. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to think that I'm staying connected because I order Filipino food from this <laughs> one guy who sells who, who sells food out of his house every other weekend. And I like to think like, hey, I am eating the food that I grew up with. Even if it's from a different region, it's similar. And um, my husband is from Nebraska. He's this white guy who grew up eating mashed potatoes and like turkey. And I grew up eating like rice 
and like fried fish. Does he like Filipino food or has he tried? Yes. Yeah. He, 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 he picks and chooses. That's the thing. That's what, <laughs> that's what helps me feel connected right now. Um, like most recently, what helps me make, uh, what most recently helps me feel connected with being Filipino is the fact that I get to educate my husband, my white oh, husband. That's true. Yeah. About um, food. And what better way to connect culture than with food? Like you guys have so many great recipes on your site. Oh, thanks. Could, Thank you. It's all Jasmine. Back. We're working on okay. it. It's our mom's actually. <laughs> our mom's <laughs> recipes. Thanks for I'm checking like, that out. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'd want to like make this. Like, yeah. Oh, you should. You should and let yeah. us know. We could trade recipes. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so deeply connected with being from LA because that's how I got this accent. <laughs> um, um, that, um, I make my adobo, my chicken adobo, like my chicken adobo Filipino recipe in a crock pot now. And it's a travesty. Oh, I feel oh, bad about it. Cause like when I tell quick. my family, yeah, when I tell my family, they're like, it shouldn't be made in a crock pot. <laughs> It might taste better because it's things simmered for a longer period of time. That's what I thought, but then <laughs> I feel like I was breaking tradition. Oh, and you know what? Tradition <laughs> is what I make it these days, I think. No, but I like how you're being honest about that. It's hard to stay connected to your roots when you're not yeah. living, you know, in your, your native, native country. Like we, we struggle with that as well. Um, like Jasmine and I, we don't really cook Cambodian food. Yeah. But collaborating with other Cambodian people in the community has kind of forced us to because we cooked like a Cambodian recipe together for a mukbang last month. And that and was Melissa had fun. to cut a live crab. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. She got crab from the store and it was still alive. So. Oh, no. But sometimes like uncomfortable situations yeah. help you grow, you know, even though it might seem scary in the beginning, yeah. it might actually be you know, a rewarding experience. I, I agree with that because there's so much opportunity that I can just ignore and yeah. not grow. But then like you're saying, if you put yourself in a, in a mode of discomfort for just a little bit, you can grow. Like yeah. for example, like this online learning thing that I'm doing yeah. now, <laughs> um, I just feel like a new teacher again, but I feel like I'm growing. I feel like when I do go back to the live classroom instruction, I have so many ideas about how I can integrate the um, the technology. And Seesaw, yeah, yes. I really enjoy that a lot. Yes. I've never even thought of that. This has taught us to be more creative and to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. And this leads us into the next question. What inspired you to go into education? And what is your favorite part about being a teacher? My favorite part about being a teacher is the kids. And that sounds like a canned answer, but I swear it's not because the kids are honestly what keep me going. And the chats that they send me, the um, pictures that they draw, the assignments that they do, and like seeing, seeing the work that they're producing from the learning that they're experiencing um, during the synchronous assignments that we're doing or the synchronous lessons that we're doing. Um, is really rewarding. And this sounds really egotistical, but it really feeds my soul when I see that like the work I'm putting in is really paying off. And it's like, the kids are really the reason why I'm there. And if they're not there, then I don't have a job. Then I, yeah, they're, they're really important. So that's my favorite part about being a teacher, working with the kids. Um, and what brought me to being a teacher was when I was in middle school, 
we had to volunteer you know like those middle school volunteer hours that a lot of people had to go through i volunteered at a hospital i volunteered at a place that like made wheelchairs oh, and then i volunteered wow. yeah and then i volunteered at a school and that was the one that stuck the most and to me it really resonated with me like working with people is really interesting i think i i mean humans are gregarious creatures i think i'm super social so working at a school really feeds that part of me and really opens my eyes to like a bunch of different experiences. And I think that that's what brought me to pursue education. So at like 13, little Mark was like, I'm going to be a teacher. And then throughout high school, I know. And then throughout high school, I was, I told my guidance counselor, I want to be a teacher. And then this guidance counselor, I don't know if this was a slightly racist comment, but she was like, you should teach math, Mark. And I'm like, first of all, what are you saying? And to me, I'm like, am I making an assumption? Is she making an assumption? Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't know. But um, she just said, well, if you teach math, you could go into engineering if teaching doesn't pay off. And I'm like, excuse you, gross. Second (laughs) of all, I'm gonna make it anyway. Um, So, that was that. And um, I really wanted to do performing arts when I went to high school because um, in in L.A., I went to the school called Van Nuys High. Am I allowed to say names? If you yeah, want sure. to. Yeah. Okay. I went to Van Nuys High School <laughs> in the Valley in L.A., which is why I sound like this again. <laughs> um, and we had a tracking system. It's like oh. it wasn't subtle. So we had like a track, which was the performing arts and medical track. B track was like the regular track and there was like a stigma there when I was growing up and like being in a regular class which shouldn't be and then C track was the math and science Mm. um, track and my dad really wanted me to be in the math and science track which is why I think my guidance counselor was like you should be a math teacher then (laughs) um yeah but I really wanted to be in the performing arts track because I thought I wanted to do that also thinking like hey Let's, maybe I can perform. And it pays off because I perform every day for a bunch of kids. Oh, and it works yeah, that's out. true. <laughs> yeah. You bring so much positivity to teaching. And I agree. The kids kind of become your best friends throughout the year. Like you get to know each other really well, like with the ups and downs and pushing them to think like critically. So I'm so happy that you're in education. Yes. I'm really happy that I'm in it too. And I'm glad that you're in it too, because yeah. we need more positive people we like do. us to like really remember that. I love kids too. Wow. So rewarding. And thank you for sharing. It might inspire, you know, our listeners to go into education. Yeah. I love that. You shared with us that you're passionate about the arts, social media, and drag queens. Can you tell us a little bit more about your interests? Yes. So I'm passionate about social media because I have social media and (laughs) I'm actually the moderator for our school's Twitter account. One of the moderators. Yeah. For Rising Star Elementary. Um, I'm one of the moderators for the Twitter account, and um, I'm really happy that I get to do that. I feel really fortunate. I do have the role of the educational technologist for my school site, so it was kind of a natural um, transition into supporting with um, moderating that Twitter account. Um, I have my own Twitter account. I don't have that many followers, but I mean, it's not about that. It's about just no. reading what people's thoughts are. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Sharing your ideas. Oh, too. I'm wondering, how did you become a moderator? Did you get chosen or did you volunteer? 
Good question. Um, so I, along with Carl Gapuz, um, Carl, you know, know Carl, Carl. yeah, <laughs> because we did STR together. <laughs> Amazing, love all these connections. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carl's one of the educational technologists, and um, he and I share the role of being that moder the moderator for the um, account because during the closures, um, our principal really wanted to make sure that we were putting forth um, positive a positive image for our school and showcasing the hard work that the, our kids are, our kids and families are working on and showcasing the hard work that the teachers and staff are working on. So um, um, our principal, Huen Lam, was really um, gracious to allow us to get that started and um, showcasing the work that the school is doing. And that's also leads into um, why I like Instagram also is because I, and Twitter, you get to read people's thoughts and Instagram, you get to see people's lives. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting to see um, different things. Um, honestly, I follow a lot of like men's fashion because I think it's just, it's not like I'm showing my fashion a lot these days, but <laughs> um, when I do, when I am out in the world, I do like to um, emulate a lot of the looks that I see. Um, when I was like 22, I was super into doing like an outfit of the day, like the OOTD. <laughs> oh, stack. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know. Wait, so then how big is your wardrobe? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's, okay. So being in a homosexual relationship with another man is really helpful when it comes to wardrobe. Because you can share. Yes, and we're the same size. Oh, so <laughs> that yeah. works out. Yes, it did work out really well, and it's still working out because anytime he gets something new, a lot of the times when we buy something for ourselves, it ends yeah. up being the other person's. And it's like, <laughs> did funny. I buy this for him for or me? did I buy this for me? <laughs> so, really yeah, funny. my wardrobe's pretty decent, and our shoe collection's pretty decent. And, um, I like to wear a variety of things. I do have my um, my work clothes, you know, like Jasmine, you probably know this, but like when you're a teacher, you have clothes that you don't wear. Yeah. And there are clothes that you wear all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it'll probably look like I wear the same thing to my students. Oh yeah. Switch <laughs> it up with the cardigan. And yes, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah. the pants. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've so, been um, <laughs> Because like, are we wearing the same thing that we yeah. wore last time? <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. And you know, consistency and routine is great for the mind because it helps you stay focused on what you're learning on. Mm -hmm. so, that's that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm really intru interested in um, social media. In fact, my um, my senior paper back in college during my undergrad was um, social networking site usage and oh. its predictors for adolescent experiences mm -hmm. so i think it's really cool to um kind of see what people are like in like behind a screen and in front of a screen and it's i thought it was an interesting thing to look at i did a um meta-analysis of the of a bunch of research articles that talked about how a bunch of different things really about social networking sites like for example how um kids who are more outspoken in real life don't post as much on social networking sites and vice versa. Kids who are more outspoken in um, social networking sites are typically more shy is what the trend was at the time I did the research. Yeah, I was definitely like that as a kid. And I think it's because when you're at school, people tend to stay in their circles and you don't get, if you're shy, you don't get noticed that much. So I think 
social media kind of gives some kids that opportunity to do that and to follow people that are similar to them. Yeah. And people have different ways of expressing themselves. Even mm -hmm. at my work, the more introverted employees, we encourage them to use like the chat system mm -hmm. if they don't feel comfortable speaking up. So I think that's a really interesting perspective. Yeah. yeah. And we're, I mean, as, as an educator now, I use that all the time to notice my kids and how they're interacting in the chat, like you're saying, Melissa. Like, I notice that when I ask a question about, we're working on inferencing right now and reading, and I'm like, um, we were reading Boundless Grace by um, Mary Hoffman, and it's about this girl. Um, it's a, a, a sequel to Amazing Grace, um, and it's about this girl who is basically marching to the beat of her own drummer, and she, um, she goes through life like, loving telling stories and she loves telling stories about her dad because her, but her dad actually lives in Africa and um she finally got to meet her dad but basically the whole point of this part of the story was I was working with kids on making inferences making inferences about grace and so um it's really interesting because when I say you can use the raise hand feature on our chat or you can type into the chat um, what your inferences are. I get more kids putting in the chat what their inferences are. Like she's, she's brave. She's, she misses her dad. She's lonely in the chat. And um, so I'm really trying to honor the voices that kids share in the chat because it, it could be missed, you know? Um, and it's not about the kid who's the most verbal because mm -hmm. there are definitely different learning modalities as I'm sure you guys know. Um, and it's it's giving the kids the opportunity to share their in their way you know and mm -hmm. i think that that's really important which is also really cool because a lot of the times um kids will also be more willing to share their art um when we're doing like um jasmine you mentioned earlier seesaw um since we yeah. use seesaw for our district um it's an online platform where kids get to do assignments and activities and they're so amazing when they use the tools they're better <laughs> at drawing a, on that platform than i am yeah so, i agree impressed constantly and i impressed. also feel like typing and writing helps you make time to think more right like when you ask a question and you're expected to answer right away sometimes you're still kind of forming your thoughts that's great that you have your kids do many different types of ways to show you what they've learned yeah, I actually know what you're talking about because when Jasmine oh, yeah. lived with me, she would sh share some of the seesaw. Yeah, <laughs> of what her students sent her, and they would send her like drawings and yeah. a voicemail message. It was yes. really, really sweet. Videos. It's and great. it's funny because they talk to us like we're on the phone, you know? Exactly. <laughs> I was like going on and on about their day. You know? yes. <laughs> it's so sweet. I love seeing their voice messages. Yeah, and Mark, would you like to speak to drag queens? Me and Melissa don't know much about drag queens, so uh, what could you educate us on? <laughs> no, I'm not an expert, and I okay. wish I could say I'm more of an expert, but my biggest dip into being a drag queen is when I was, and this ties into how I'm interested in arts also, when I was in college, I played Angel in Rent. Um, oh. and, yeah, and they were the um, the character who played a drag queen in the play or in the musical. And um, I was really impressed with how hard it is to do drag. Mm -hmm. um, a, walking in heels, not easy, but <laughs> <Right>. doable, <laughs> but not right. easy. Um, and hair, wig care 
is ridiculously hard. I didn't have to do it, but I saw um, the folks who are managing the, um, the costuming, managing it. And it's like a lot of work. It's like brushing your actual hair. Wow. I just thought like you throw the wig on and you're fine. Mm-hmm. You just put it on that like fake mm-hmm. head thing. Like let it sit. <laughs> but it's a lot of work. Mm, and, there's so much um, more involved behind the scenes. Definitely so yeah. much more involved behind the scenes. I, I would say that even though I'm interested in art, in the arts, I don't have the full comprehensive scope of what it is like to be part of the arts because I didn't go through the performing arts track when I was in high school. And um, I did plays here and there. Um, but it's it's a lot of work to be a drag queen i think i wish i just had more and um, more ideas about it but going mm-hmm. to drag shows is fun it's, <laughs> it's if you want positivity going to a drag show is a lot of positivity and um it's really fun to see different um performers do different things that are just so captivating and um shocking but in a great way um i also did other performances like in, Into the Woods for like a community theater a couple times. And although that's not specifically drag, it's still kind of drag because it's a lot of makeup. It's a lot of costuming. And um, I don't have full experience in this, but sometimes when you have to pull a costume together and like make it, it's, it's not that easy. But it's also really rewarding and fun, even <laughs> though it's not easy. Again, going back to feeling discomfort, you learn and grow right, and yeah. you figure out how you're expanding yourself. Um, I am a fan of RuPaul and I am a fan of um, performers of all kinds because it's, it's, really, it's really important work that I think people took for granted and are now realizing, um, especially in the state of our world right now, are realizing is absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. Everything is so serious yeah. and everything is so black and white and everything is just so this and that, that I think people just sometimes, I, I'm making an assumption that sometimes people forget to smile and take the time to enjoy um, things that aren't conventionally work. And right. I get so bogged down in making sure, oh my gosh, am I, are we paying our mortgage in time? Are we paying our car payment in time? And it's like, yeah, but am I taking care of myself and making sure that I'm feeling connected with who I am and with my husband and just life? So that's kind of a hard thing, but I can't wait to go to another drag show. I hear like <laughs> there are- um, they, They're closed down now, right? For the most part, but there are like these drive-in drags, like drive-up oh. ones. I think there was like a drive-in drag show in um, at South Center in oh, Tequila. So they have it all around the US too. And it's really interesting because I follow a bunch of drag queens on Instagram and um, they're wearing like face shields as they're performing. And I'm like- oh, oh, That's hard make to it do. Work. Yes. And I'm like, oh. make it work, girl. Make it work. <laughs> <laughs> I admire their confidence so much. Me too. And you know, what I really appreciate about how I'm teaching these days is, um, is I kind of try to exude a bit of their confidence, like you're saying, Jasmine, because it, I mean- Efficacy is basically you thinking like you can do the work. So um, if like the confidence that drag queens have, I try to harness that when I'm teaching because I I think I can do the work and kids can kind of read into that. And Mm -hmm. if they sense hesitation, just like people, I mean, like kids are people, but just like, (laughs) (laughs) just like adults, I mean, like, kids are really perceptive and right. kids realize, hey, this teacher is 
this teacher knows what they're doing. Um, and I do love to um, say that I'm Mr. Watan because I like to um, make like I like to make it present that I do have longer hair and I do um, I don't necessarily always act conventionally masculine and I do like to break that down and I could choose to be teacher Watan which many teachers around Seattle are choosing yeah. to um, have their kids identify them as. But I still try to hold on to Mr. Watan because I do still identify as male. And I don't think that, um, I, don't, I don't necessarily see a detriment yet for, uh, from my perspective to being called Mr. Watan because that is how I identify. And I don't think I need to um, censor that because kids are still f finding their gender, gender identity, which is great. But um, I'm also showing that a Mr. can have longer hair and can act a little bit less masculine and still sing and dance and smile and do art and love pink like my uh, my seesaw background is pink <laughs> and every time i like said it, it not this year but when i used to like send home homework folders it would always yeah. be pink and then like, I love pink. On? you're the boy teacher why are you using pink and i'm like because pink yeah because I, I, I can well yeah. i love that you're changing you know the narrative in that space in that you can be yourself you can truly be yourself you show your kids that that you can bring yourself to work and, and it's okay yes and i also feel like when you learn about different kinds of people that's when you develop more empathy you come to understand that there are different kinds of people out there so that's great that you're teaching early education because the kids are seeing you as another example of what you can be so yeah exactly thank you Mark. <laughs> yes thank you and i and, and i don't i don't hide my pictures of me and my husband yeah at, that's good I mean, yeah. that's cool like i have like listeners can't see this but i have like pictures <laughs> of my husband like right there and Love like it. up here and so i have that in my class and kids ask like who's that i'm like that's my husband and they're like what and i'm like that's the person i live with and i love yeah. Um, last year, kindergartner was like, who's that? I'm like, that's my husband, um, the other Mr. Watan. And he's like, you have a husband? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then this other time I said that to a kid and he, um, he just gave me a hug and he was like, oh, that is so sweet. Kids so are yeah. so sweet. We have to teach them that. Yeah. Be accepting and yeah, ask questions it, too. It's okay it, to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I always am open to those questions. So intersectionalities of who we are. Uh, what does it mean to be Filipino, American, and part of the LGBTQIA plus community? It means to me that I can just be whoever I want to be. Um, it sounds like I'm being egotistical and I'm being like, I'm just going to be who I am. Uh -uh, that's not what I mean. I mean, um, yes, respect other people's perspectives and point of views. And yes, understand that different folks have different um, experiences in their lives, but that doesn't mean I have to change who I am. It may mean that I have to um, code switch and know who I'm talking to and understand that if I'm in a business interview, I'm going to speak a little bit more professionally than I would um, with my friends at a bar. But um, to me, I think that I don't really want anybody else to write my narrative and I don't want anybody else to decide who I am, which is um, people could see, oh, he's Filipino or he's Asian. So like my, what I assumed what my guidance counselor was assuming, he must be good at math so he can be a math teacher. Um, I'm, 
it's not about that. I am actually not even that good at math. I mean, I took calculus <laughs> in high school, but I'm like, I didn't, I didn't do that well in the AP Me test. Neither. Like, I bet, yeah. So already I'm breaking barriers there. Right. Um, <laughs> By being you. <laughs> By being me. And, um, and being interested in the arts, being interested in different things that, mm -hmm. um, that make me happy and not being bound to saying like, I'm Filipino, so I must know how to cook all this Filipino food. I must know how to do this. In fact, I, I like to identify myself as being, I, I still, even though I've lived in Washington for a couple of years now, I still think that I'm from LA because that's where I spent the majority of my life in. And I still kind of think that I'm from San Diego. I mean, my cell phone number still reads 619, so it still says San Diego. Um, but I think that I want to keep writing my own stories. And anybody who's listening, please write your own story. Please make sure that you're living life for yourself. And even if it's not the story, even if the story right now may seem like you're not fitting, you're going to write it and you're going to fit and you're going to fit perfectly. And I think I'm fitting in my story perfectly every day. No, I don't think I'm fitting in my story every day. However, I think in general and for the majority of the time I'm fitting in my story. And what helps me fit in my story is that I get to write it. I mean, we're so, um, somebody asked me when I was a couple years ago and I was out of college and somebody in college asked me, what advice would you give me um, if um, being somebody who's working for a while? I told them that um, do, do whatever you want because when you go out into the workforce and even now, mm -hmm. you're gonna have to do so many things that you don't wanna do, like paying bills or driving somewhere or like even as, something as mundane as like, if you have to drive your spouse to the airport, <laughs> there are a lot of things you don't want to do. I mean, I happily drive my spouse to the airport because I love him and I'll do anything for him. But I'm um, doing little things like that are things that you don't necessarily want to put on your plate. So do what you want to do and be happy with what you do because life's going to keep throwing things at you that you may not want to do all the time. Like for example, I said my favorite thing about working in education is working with kids. However, I do have a least favorite thing. And um, it's, I have a lot of not favorite things about education, but I have more things that are my favorite things. Like I don't like doing report cards because I mean, what teacher will ever really admit that they enjoy doing report cards, right, Jasmine? I mean, <laughs> yeah. If we ever meet a teacher who's like, I love doing report cards, I'm no. gonna say, why? It's not about mm -hmm. the grades. It's not about the grades, I think. But um, I do have a lot of things that I'm not interested in in education, but the things that I'm interested in, out, interested in outweigh more. But the fact that there are things that I'm not interested in tell me that I do have to enjoy my life. Tell me that I do have to find things that make me happy um, because I do still have to do things that I'm not that interested in, like doing report cards. <laughs> yeah. But the passion keeps you going in the mission yeah. too, the reason why you're doing it. Definitely. And yeah. part of the reason why I keep doing report cards, even if I don't like doing it, I know mm -hmm. I keep saying that, but I just got an email about it. It's <laughs> <laughs> on your mind. Yeah. I know it's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the reason why I keep doing it is because I want to, I want to challenge the way people do report cards. I want to challenge like 
putting more comments and not using the drop down option. So for any non teachers out there who don't know, there are drop down options sometimes in report cards that can that are supposed to be qualitative data on the kids, but it's really just quantitative at this point because it's just a drop down like saying your kid does reading well or something like that or it's not that exactly but something to that effect and it's like where's the creativity in that where's where's you actually knowing the kids mm -hmm. so i like to keep pushing on and doing that so that i can change the bear change create some kind of change there yeah even if it's small you know it, there's so so much more meaning if you can provide actual feedback meaningful feedback to the parents instead of just choosing like a letter grade. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it really comes down to your your why and your purpose in life. Yeah. I think for, for anyone who's kind of at a pivotal moment in their life, think about what you truly, you know, love to do, what drives you, what interests you and motivates you uh, when you wake up in the morning. And so, yeah, I think we're coming to the end. And Mark, thank you so much for your time and willingness to share your story, your thoughts and perspectives. We love your energy, your enthusiasm and authenticity. Uh, we enjoy learning so much more about you and we're sure that our listeners share the same sentiment as well. And we just wanna thank you for taking the time again to meet with us and for being an educator and making a positive difference in the lives of youth. Thank you for sharing this space, Melissa and Jasmine. Really appreciate it appreciate yeah. you. You're welcome. So Mark, it was a pleasure to have you join us today. Um, again, I am so excited to meet you someday. Um, we have mutual friends. So I'm sure we'll be able to meet each other soon. Yeah, listeners, let us know what you thought about the episode and follow or subscribe to this podcast to be alerted whenever we release a new episode. Check us out on our Instagram at Two American Sisters and our website at twocamericansisters.com. We will also include Mark's social media so that you can check him out and follow him. And talk to you all next time. Alam. Alam. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks. you, Mark.